Hello and welcome to PFF Wire. I'm Doug Kide, joined as always by Brad Spielberger. Brad, how are you doing today? The day after the uh, the NFL trade deadline. Still recovering, like as grateful as we were, and I think we expressed that yesterday on our you know live reaction show. Um, and as much as I'm sure no one wants to hear a bunch of guys that write about football complain, uh, that was a busy one for us. We were uh, burning the midnight oil, getting some some content done for the people. Yes, absolutely. That is very much the case. Um, and fortunately, I guess for us, because it means a little bit less work writing wise, not as newsy of a day, but we will get to many things, including what's next for Brandon Cooks and Cam Akers. We'll talk about the potential sale of the Washington Commanders. We'll go through some injury updates, talking about talk about this weekend's or on Thursday's uh, Eagles-Texans game. But let's kick things off first with Brandon Cooks. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been missing practice due to personal reasons. Uh, he was not traded at the NFL trade deadline, which came as kind of a surprise given how many teams still need wide receivers. I can't imagine the asking price was too, too high uh, for him. So what do you think happens to, to Brandon Cooks at this point? I saw the pro football talk even throw out the possibility that the Texans could waive Brandon Cooks. Um, and I guess it seems like it's a it's a possibility after he wasn't traded, but you would have thought that they would have taken a, a really low offer to at least get him off the team before that that occurred. Yeah, that's that'd be fascinating because at least at that point, just take whatever draft pick you can get. Although I know sometimes there's an optics standpoint, and they can then pitch the idea of, hey, you know, we wanted to, we didn't give him up for a sixth round pick. We wanted to keep him. He forced his right. way out. And then we had to waive him because of ABC XYZ. Um, I'm sure, you know, teams would, even though he has that 18 million fully guaranteed salary for next year, if you have to give up zero draft capital, I do think someone would claim him on waivers, but yeah. the disaster scenario is no one does. And right. even with offsets, Maybe he agrees to, you know, a cheap one-year deal like an Odell Beckham Jr. situation for the rest of this year and then kind of figures out next offseason. So, you know, a really bizarre and disastrous situation. I mean, you extended him this offseason. It seemed like he wanted to be there. Like he understood it was, hey, we're rebuilding, we're starting over, but we view you as a locker room leader, a veteran that can guide guys along. You've been traded three times in your career, bounced around to contenders and had Super Bowl runs and yada, yada. Maybe it'd be cool to be the older, elder statesman that helps young guys along and a young guy like Nico Collins, a good young wide receiver. Clearly something has turned. Uh, his tweet was was about as, you know, Blatant as it gets, saying I'm I'm no longer keeping secrets. That's going to change, and now you're messing with my career. I have a feeling we have not heard the end of this story in Houston. Uh, yeah, don't uh, take a man's kindness for granted. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's it's not a great situation there in Houston, and and as we've mentioned before, he's guaranteed eighteen million dollars for next season, um, which means that this is even if nothing happens this year. I mean, this is a messy situation that carries on into next year as well. So let's say that he stays on the Texans for the rest of this season. What would be the possibilities for them in the offseason now? I still think you could, you know, explore trades. I think I want right. to say he'll be 29 years old still, and he is a great player. I mean, he all he does is show up in a new city, put up a thousand receiving yards, um, you know, every, every 18 months, it seems like. Right. So 
I, I think there would be a market. It sounds like there were four or five teams calling at this deadline, Green Bay, Minnesota before TJ Hawkinson deal, presumably the Giants sniffed around and I think could revisit it this offseason based on how things go there. Um, you know, so I, I think there are still options. You can be patient. I just think it's tough. I mean, you're trying to turn the page and build some positive buzz in Houston. You have, of course, all this draft capital. And I, you know, I do. I think we both kind of agree. Look, they're a bad team. I think they can get this thing right with a couple more good draft classes. They're loaded with picks, obviously. But it's just tough when, I mean, they're not on the commander's level. But like, a, you know, a, a negative story every day. It, it's hard to keep everyone galvanized and motivated. You have, you have Dolphins GM, Chris Greer joking about how he texts Laramie Tunsil asking him to get traded to the team all the time. It's just, you'd love to just have some positivity down in Houston. Uh, that was a wild quote, not only like for the, for the tampering implications, but also like for Chris Greer to say that about a player who's currently on the Texans and basically being like, Hey, yeah, Larry Tunzel wants to play here. Have fun going back in the Texans locker room, buddy. Like, I, I don't know. That was a that was a pretty wild quote from Chris Greer, who usually is, um, you know, not relatively overly exciting in those those press conference situations. Uh, but yeah, that was certainly interesting. Another player who was not traded uh, was Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams, and that came as probably one of the biggest surprises for me at the trade deadline. Uh, there were some reports today that the Rams had offers that they turned down for Cam Akers and that now they're maybe trying to salvage things with him. I, I don't know. I mean, th this just seems like a very strange situation. Now, he sat out, what, like two or three weeks now when they had both agreed that it was best for him to part ways with the team. And now you're trying to salvage things again. I, I don't know what the best step moving forward here, here is. Yeah, you know, we know they tried to essentially include him in any any trade they did try to pull off. They, of course, did not pull off a trade, a rarity in, in Los Angeles at this point right. at the deadline. But, you know, I will say this. I, I don't, you know, that was one of two quotes today that I'm not so sure I believed um, in that, right. hey, a good way to curry favor with the player, maybe if you are trying to get him to say, hey, you know what? We had our we, cooler heads can prevail. We had our issues. But hey, look at the media saying we had a bunch of teams offering for you. And we said, no, we love this guy. We're going to figure it out. We're going to work it out and get back on the field. I'm not so sure I buy that. Um, just like I don't necessarily buy Brad Holmes, the Detroit Lions general manager, saying if they were 6-1, and one, they would have traded TJ Hawkinson. Again, all due respect, that's just uh, not true. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a wild quote because between that and what Dan Campbell said with, you know, maybe they could get better with some other guys that they could put on the field and do different things. It was kind of like throwing TJ Hawkinson under the bus a little bit on the way out, shipping him to Minnesota by saying that even if we were six and one, we still would have made this trade because we felt like it was better for the team, um, you know, present and in the future. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've taken a look at the Detroit Lions tight end depth chart recently, but there's not a whole lot on there behind TJ Hawkinson. I, I don't know. What, what did you make of that quote? And what did you kind of make of the, the message coming out of Detroit after today? Um, James Mitchell, dynasty pickup, redraft pickup, keep an eye out. Uh, all jokes aside, he actually did have a couple catches, you know. Um, but anyway, I thought it was pretty interesting. I think Detroit is unfortunately in a tough spot. Look, no one expected them to, you know, make a playoff push. But, you know, obviously we're the darling of hard knocks. You know, we had a lot of people, smart people, um, including our good friend Eric Eager, who really, you know, saw a lot of underlying reasons as to why they could over, go over their six 
season win total. It was, I think it closed at seven before the season began. And that wasn't just him. There were obviously a lot of other sharp people that saw the same thing. Um, you know, they started the season pretty well. I mean, they probably played the Philadelphia Eagles as close as anyone has this season. Yeah. And it's just cratered and gone totally downhill. Um, it's tough. I, you know, I get it. If, but but to tell this Detroit fan base once again, the window is a couple of years down the road. We're not quite there. And I get it. They now have an extra first and an extra second in this year's draft class. But And I also, I think Brad Holmes is a good GM. I think he's a mm-hmm. better drafter, the guys they've had before. But they've heard that song and dance before. They've heard about extra draft capital, and right. it turns into players that you know get cut and get signed by the Patriots in the third year or whatever. So it's just, it's really, really tough. I, I feel for the fan base. I feel for people that were excited about the team, some of the players there um, that have been good. Yeah, I mean, from like a football standpoint, I mean, I'm going to St. Brown, especially if DeAndre Swift misses some time, which Dan Campbell hinted at. He might have 20 targets a game uh, right. at this point in that offense. Yeah, and I I mean, Brock, right? <laughs> Not to like go down that Lions depth chart too far. He had four catches for 57 yards in week seven against Dallas. He made kind of a, a nice play that probably should have been a touchdown. I don't think the, the Lions either didn't challenge it or it didn't go to a booth review i forgot what the exact situation there was but and he's a player who's done a few things in the in the last few weeks for the lions as you mentioned james mitchell we'll see how that offense changes now that tj hawkinson is gone uh going back to the rams for a second what do you make of that entire running back depth chart at this point we saw ronnie rivers lead the team in carries last week um and that's despite the fact that daryl henderson was on the field now, maybe you put Cam Akers back in the mix. They've got Kyron Williams coming off of injured reserve. I think that Kyron Williams is probably, if you're in fantasy, the guy that you want to have. But talk about a messy situation there in the Rams' backfield. Yeah, so Rivers, I want to say, has been elevated from the practice squad twice. So if they want to bring him up again, he'd have to be to sign him to the 53-man right. roster. And maybe the plan is instead to activate Kyron Williams off of injured reserve. I agree with you. I think if any guy is worthwhile, which frankly, it's it's possible none are from a right. redraft fantasy football standpoint. But if any of them are, I agree it's Kyron Williams. Daryl Henderson did apparently have an illness, like a flu-like symptoms mm. and stuff like that. And so that maybe played into him not having a huge role. Um, and, you know, I just it's it's tough to see the, the Cam Akers situation resolving itself um, in, in, in a way where he becomes like the top guy. I think Kyron Williams is the guy to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, their draft pick this year, they apparently loved him in camp. Let him get healthy. The tough part, though, is, you know, you and I behind this offensive line, it's, 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 a, it's a battle no matter who's back there. <laughs> I think you and I behind this offensive line would be like averaging negative 10 yards per carry. Yeah, so, correct. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's at least positive that those guys are averaging like three yards per carry. But that was one thing that I thought was interesting about the trade deadline. We'll get to uh, Jonathan Taylor's injury in a second. But that's that teams did kind of seem to value running backs more than people might have expected. Uh, we talked about Jeff Wilson garnering a fifth round pick. We saw Naheem Hines uh, traded for Zach, uh, Zach Moss and either a fifth or sixth. Uh, Chase Edmonds was included in the Bradley Chubb trade. And that was brought up to me by someone who works in analytics in the NFL that it's kind of a, a flip from the whole running backs don't matter narrative. But um, I said, I mean, I guess that's kind of true to some degree because of, you know, the Rams situation right now where they haven't been able to find a, a running back who's kind of fit that system. And he said, might make more sense to evaluate the blocking first. And I think that that's a good point for teams that were either trading for running backs or have had issues with running backs. Like maybe flip that fifth or sixth round pick for an offensive lineman rather than trying to fix uh, the actual running back situation. 
No question about it. I, I guess maybe the counter would be, uh, you know, I don't know what you're getting uh, with a right. fifth or sixth offensive line, as we've discussed. Yeah. It's, you know, every single team in the NFL needs offensive linemen. It's like a big reason why some of these spring leagues can't even sustain themselves. It is right. so darn hard to find guys that are good offensive linemen. Um, you know, it's why they're so valuable and, and so crucial to any offense, no matter what you're trying to do. But no, it's, it's, it's a good point. I mean, Jeff Wilson you know, a third, a third stringer on that team getting a fifth round pick because he's such a good fit in a particular system. You know, you see how it, how it happens and how the value is there for a particular team in Miami. Um, you know, so yeah, that's, that's funny that uh, an analytics guy was kind of, you know, poking holes in that, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, if you have the system set and you have the offensive line playing, then maybe they, they are, you know, increased in value. If you can trust, you know, what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor did not practice today. That ankle injury is still bothering him. Um, uh, it's not 100%. The Colts are saying that uh, he's hoping he makes progress and is ready to play against New England. This is certainly a running back situation monitor. The Patriots defense has not been very good at stopping the run. You saw that on Monday night uh, a couple of weeks ago against the Chicago Bears. But now, as we mentioned, Naheem Hines is out of the mix. He's now on the Buffalo uh, on the Buffalo Bills. So you've got uh, Deion Jackson, who's been a little bit more of a pass-catching option. They just acquired Zach Moss in the trade with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they just re-signed Jordan Wilkins to their practice squad. So even if Jonathan Taylor doesn't wind up playing this week against the Patriots, I feel like this is a very difficult situation to predict who would actually be getting those carries that Jonathan Taylor would be giving up. It's been a total, you know, like you said, multiple different guys coming in for different situations. Obviously, Taylor is the only one that's a true three down back that can do everything. Also, you know, a bit unrelated, but sort of a tangent. I mean, Taylor is in a pseudo contract year, which I think makes this very interesting, too. If they want to also, you know, if the argument is, hey, let's get him healthy. Let's put him on the shelf for a little bit. We're clearly not trying to maximize our wins in 2022 as evidenced by moving to Sam Ellinger and trading Naheem Hines and so on and so forth, Taylor's response could be, you know, I get it and I appreciate it. I've obviously been running, you know, probably had 400 carries a year since my Wisconsin days, but I want an extension this offseason. I'm coming off a ridiculous year last year. It's, you know, after the third year, is when second through seventh round picks are looking for these early extensions, especially at a position like running back where the shelf life is pretty short. Um, it's going to be a very, very interesting second half of the year there. Um, you know how his usage goes, and and if that's kind of used for either side in a potential negotiation. Yeah, and I mean you get the feeling that at least you know surrounding the Naheem Hines trade that some people would like some people around that organization think that they've kind of not given up for the year, but, you know, benching Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, I think we saw on Sunday, I mean, I know that Matt Ryan is dealing with a shoulder injury that he probably won't be active even if that hadn't happened, but I don't think that Sam Ellinger was bad in that game by any means, but I also didn't get the feeling by watching that game that the Colts are in better shape moving forward this season with Sam Ellinger as their quarterback over Matt Ryan. I I still felt like, Matt Ryan would probably give that team a better chance to win this season, despite some of his struggles, than throwing Sam Ellinger in there. That really did seem to be more of a move, you know, about what seeing what they have in Sam Ellinger for the future. 
You know, I also think you got to see, not see what you have. I think you've had early promising results from a guy like Alec Pierce, their second round rookie wide receiver. Right. But is an argument you hear a lot. And I do say I probably pour cold water on it from time to time in that I think, you know, sometimes teams should be more open to losing. Again, not tanking, but just more open right. to playing younger players, getting them experience, seeing what you have. But you're trying to develop a guy out of Cincinnati that kind of had a limited route tree, is a good player, is talented, has been good so far in the NFL, and apparently was a you know a, a starter for them from day one of training camp. But you know his him and, and Michael Pittman obviously not going to get as many targets headed their way with Sam Ellinger under center than with Matt Ryan. So. Uh, let's take a quick break. PFF Wire is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, let's talk about this potential Washington Commanders sale. I've said this before. I, I mean, God bless you if you care about, you know, teams being sold. I know that this situation is certainly more complicated uh, than most team sales, but I love the football aspect of this job. The, you know, billionaires selling billionaire fr franchises for billion, billions of dollars of money uh, is not the most interesting thing to me, but the commanders did announce today. Dan and Tanya Snyder and the Washington commanders announced today they have hired B of A securities to consider potential transactions. The Snyder's remain committed to the team, all of its employees and its countless fans to put the best product on the field and continuing the work to set the gold standard for workplaces in the NFL. That's somewhat of an absurd uh, you know, second part of that, that statement. Um, but certainly notable that they're at least moving forward with the potential that they could sell the team. Um, because obviously that's what Jim Irsay, you know, said that the, the, the league could be wanting here. I think that people within the NFL would probably welcome this. And Daniel Snyder has always said that he wouldn't sell the team. And now it seems like they're at least considering it. Yeah, I would say here's how you can tie it back to actual on-field product in football is, look, I mean, it's a once-proud franchise, a franchise yeah. that was, you know, a really, really good, what was it, the 80s, even before that, a little bit in the 90s, right. before, basically before Snyder bought them in 99, I want to say. Um, you know, and, and now you're just getting this inferior product. Their stadium yes. is a joke. Um, they're, they're just not a well-run organization in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, you know, maybe getting new ownership in there can help in that regard. I see our guy Mojal, my favorite uh, commenter in, in uh, PFF Wire history, uh, talking about uh, Jeff Bezos maybe buying a team. Look, here's the thing, too. I think this team could sell for more than Denver. Like, it, it is right. – you talk about <laughs> – there's no better example of – the current owner quite literally could not have been worse in every single thing he did the entire time. Right. Apparently, it's uh, his asset, the team, has appreciated in value by about 680% from the day he bought it because it's a printing press. It is yeah. You are printing money no matter what you do. So, yeah, I think that would be my argument is it could actually matter on the field that we can get, you know, a state, nation's capital, a cool team with a storied history, actually mattering for the first look. I get, that's one of those, like, you know, my dad talks about the Washington, you know, Redskins, and I'm like, the, that, the team doesn't even exist, but also they haven't been relevant since the day I was born. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, it was like right before uh, you know I started following football closely. I guess that the last time that they were relevant, like you said, in the late '80s and early '90s, I I really remember the the Cowboys teams and the 49ers and the Bills and all of that much better than you know the Washington team at the time. So. Yeah, it would be nice for them to be relevant again, and we'll see what happens there. I know that the betting favorite uh, to be the next owner would be Jeff Bezos. The other one's on the list. I got an email about this. Ted Lerner, Steve Ballmer, um, Byron Allen's on there. So certainly some interesting people who could buy the Commanders, and yes, they would definitely sell for a a gigantic fortune if that was to happen. Uh, Let's get into our rumor roundup segment just for a second. And there's obviously not a whole lot to discuss because the NFL trade deadline has passed. Uh, Now we will probably start to get into some players being released. We'll see how quickly that all happens. But anyone who is released must pass pass through waivers. But, you know, obviously we discussed the trade deadline at length in yesterday's show. Um, I talked about it on a couple other shows as well. But just any leftover thoughts from you on any of the, you know, the 10 trades that we saw yesterday anything before that um as i mentioned earlier i did think it was interesting that people were saying that you know it seemed like running backs were valued more highly at the nfl trade deadline than what we've seen in recent weeks uh one kind of leftover thought from me is on the calvin ridley trade uh one person i was talking to just said that they really liked the way that that trade was that the conditions on that trade were set up because he thought that it it limited the risk uh for the jaguars in that trade and that it also you know, it, the the upside of the trade became manageable because it was only tied to a second-round pick. It was basically their choice whether they would have to give up that second-round pick because it would be tied into a, a contract extension. Um, and overall, I reached out to another source about that trade. That person said that they didn't think that there was much of a market for Calvin Ridley at the NFL trade deadline, that, you know, anything probably would have – they would have had more competition, the Jaguars – during the off season. So I think that they were actually able to get a pretty good value for Calvin Ridley, uh, given all the conditions of the trade, given the fact that there probably wasn't a huge market for Calvin Ridley at this point in the, in the season. No, it's very interesting. It's, it's a tough one to even try to gauge and understand, you know, who were the suitors, who was even calling, who was even thinking about it. I think I mentioned yesterday, you know, maybe you could capitalize on the fact that most teams are trying to fix their 2022 chances yeah. and not focus on the future. But that, that is interesting. Um, I don't know. I think cir- circumstances change and you get to an off season, and then maybe teams, you know, take a look around, see what they have reassess their roster for all we know you have like an aj brown situation where you know the titans probably didn't think they were going to lose aj brown um you know coming into that offseason stuff like that so things always change that is pretty interesting though i'm still fascinated with some of these waiver guys you know Sidney jones Mm -hmm. was the big name yesterday i guess we should know if he cleared waivers or not in the in the near future uh based on you know was the four o'clock unless that maybe pause another day and it's actually tomorrow. I, I always get confused. Think so because someone was already claimed on waivers. Um, okay. uh, Tristan Hill right, was claimed right. by the Cardinals off waivers from the Cowboys, uh, but seems like that's just still coming out from sources and not quite on the uh, the uh, transaction wire at this point. So we'll probably find out about Sidney Jones very soon. 
Yeah, so I think another name hasn't been waived yet, but I think Michael Brocker is in Detroit. Speaking of Detroit, is interesting, has been a healthy and active as a team captain, but you know, veteran, I think they're going to try to help him get somewhere else. Obviously, couldn't strike a deal with the trade. I'm guessing they tried. Um, he's the name that's interesting, and I'll tie it into some late-breaking news here. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles just placed Jordan mm-hmm. Davis, obviously their first-round pick, the big no stu- um, run-stuffing nose tackle, no-stuffing run tackle, um, <laughs> who's been great so far, honestly. He's been exactly yeah. what they looked for and what they've wanted. You know, maybe you bring in you know, they're not similar players brockers is not a nose tackle per se um but you know played well next to aaron donald can kind of clog up the middle a little bit um so yeah it's the, i think they're underrated those type of moves these smaller moves i know they're maybe not as exciting and sexy but they can be stuff we're talking about in february sometimes for sure and another another team that would be that i'm kind of monitoring i've mentioned it before for some of those waivers not sure if it comes down to that, but I mean, I know that the Patriots heading into the trade deadline were looking to clear salary cap space. They have less than $2 million for the rest of the season. I think they can get through the rest of the year with that, you know, less than $2 million. But if there's any major injuries, it's, it's, it seems like it's kind of limited their ability to shift, like, you know, filter players in and out of their practice squad. I think that there's been less practice squad moves for them. Um, but if any guys go on injured reserve, then they'll have to bring someone up off the practice squad or sign someone from, uh, you know, the street. And all of that all adds up. And they have to make sure that they've got enough money for the rest of the season, maybe have some money to carry over in the next year as well. Uh, the two big, you know, salary eaters on that team right now are Nelson Aguilar, who has not been playing a whole lot. I think he only played 15 snaps despite starting last week. And then Isaiah Wynn as well, who's playing on that fifth-year option. And last week, at least, he didn't even start. Marcus Cannon started and plays for him at right tackle. Uh, but the Patriots have been uh, experimenting with him at guard in practice. He actually played a few snaps for rookie Cole Strange at left guard. And as far as this weekend's game against the Colts is concerned, I'm curious to see what that offensive line looks like because I think it's time to at least reshift things. That offensive line has not been playing up to its talent. And one of the issues, I think, is the fact that the Patriots shifted Isaiah Wynn from left tackle to right tackle this season. And Isaiah Wynn has not been playing well at right tackle. So whether that means, you know, moving Michael Onwenu out to right tackle, putting Isaiah Wynn at right guard, whether that means flipping Wynn and Brown again and putting Wynn at left tackle and Trent Brown at right tackle, uh, we'll see what all happens there. But certainly would not be surprised if they made some sort of move to open up some salary cap space before the season is over. Uh, Let's do our best bet segment. Thursday night, we've got the Eagles and the Texans. This game is in Houston, and the Eagles are favored by 14 points. This is like this is like a college football spread. This is like a non-conference opponent college football spread right now. Yeah, it's like a Mac, like a Mac game on a Wednesday where yeah. you know, I don't know, one team is is all in and is a good team, the other team stinks. And yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I, I should have looked it up. I mentioned this on our Sunday podcast. I think it's the biggest road favorite in a Thursday game since we've had Thursday games. I didn't Google it. I should have, but I'm, I'm fairly confident that's the case. Um, if not, it's obviously near the top of the list. The thing, too, is that price might be factoring in that Brandon Cooks probably will play, but they don't know. There's right. no guarantee he plays. He hasn't practiced no. the last He's two days. Yeah. Right. It's been listed as wrist slash personal. I think the second thing is more important than the first, frankly, but yeah. – because, you know, Nico Collins is not 100% healthy. I want to say he's also questionable and probably leaning towards not playing, I think. Um, 
So yeah, it's it could be really really ugly. One bet I love uh, was mentioned on the po- the podcast Sunday, but the first half Eagles in the first half have been the best team in football. Mm-hmm. They build these huge leads and then they kind of coast a little bit to the finish line. They've done it in like all of their games this year. I think they could be up twenty eight nothing at halftime in this game. Maybe don't cover fourteen if they just kind of let Houston score in garbage time, but cover. I want to say it opened at minus six. It's probably even higher now um, on the first half line. But I like that play a lot. That is definitely very interesting. If you guys have any uh, questions, just throw them into the comment section while we discuss this game. But uh, PFF Greenline likes the over. The point total is set at 45 points on PFF Greenline. There's just a 0.4% edge. But, I I mean, I know the Texans are bad, but the Eagles do have a high-scoring offense. All it takes is, you know, three passes for A.J. Brown to score three touchdowns. And I do think that there's a possibility that this game does, as you mentioned, get out of hand in the first half. And then they do kind of allow the Texans to, to creep back a little bit there in the second half and and start to put some garbage points up there, uh, garbage time points. So, yeah, I could certainly see that this game uh, could go over 45 points. Uh, right now that's at minus 110. Uh, as far as any player props go, um, not seeing any that I particularly love. I'm looking at the, uh, the AJ Brown actually don't. Yeah. The AJ Brown player props are, uh, his receptions are set at four and a half and re- receiving yards is set at 69 and a half. Uh, PFF green line prefers the over on 69 and a half receiving yards and the under on four and a half receptions. Once again, if this game does get out of hand, certainly possible that, uh, he doesn't put up much production. This is a scary thing with props in this game. Uh, it, it does, by the way, blowouts usually lean towards the over. Um, that helps because, like yeah. you said, there's garbage time. Kind of both yeah. teams aren't really caring. Yeah, I see the comment 28 nothing at halftime is crazy. It is crazy. Um, you know, a bit of hyperbole there, but the Eagles are very good and the Texans are atrocious. So, um, you know, I also don't think it's that crazy. I'm with you. The, yeah, the props kind of scare you a little bit because we don't really know how the game script is going to play out and, and you, know, you want to take an Eagle, but if they're up that much at halftime, you might not see a lot of Eagles players. So I would definitely, I like to sit on the over. I think it's interesting. And Eagles first half, again, they don't, they don't have to be up 28, nothing. They could be up, you know, 21, seven, and it, it'll probably cover. <laughs> is the, is the biggest lock of the off season that the Texans will take a quarterback? I think so. I mean, the way they're acting, it almost seems like they want to make sure they have the number one overall pick. So it's their choice of quarterback, um, not even any quarterback, but the exact guy that they want. I know Carolina said they were going to try to, you know, get in that mix and add capital to help them in that regard and trade up. Um, but, you know, they've actually been decent with PJ Walker the last couple of weeks. I mean, who else is ter- the thing, too, is a lot of these really bad teams like Oakland, I mean, Las Vegas is not going to be picking that high. Jacksonville is not going to be picking that high. Who else is that terrible besides Houston? To well, the Lions. Um, true, Lions true. could certainly take a quarterback. They probably should. I, I saw some Lions fans clamoring that you know why would we take a quarterback when our defense is terrible and there's some like defensive game breakers in this draft. I mean, sure, if if that's the path that you want to take, but with Jared Goff as your current quarterback, I think that you're probably better off trying to find that that franchise quarterback of the future if you have any faith in in C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, or, or Will Levis at this point. Turn around quicker too. Look, Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal are, I, I think, yeah. going to be good players on the edge for them. We talk about Lee McNeil and Levi Unzarika in the interior. Like they have Jeff Okuda again. I know that their defense has been very, very, very bad. No one's denying yes. that. But <laughs> you can turn that around quicker. You can add more reinforcements in free agency. 
Jared Goff is not the quarterback of the future. I know he's been productive at times. He's not. I'm sorry if that's if that's breaking news to anyone. So if you're up there and there's a guy you like and want to build around, you have this good offensive line, you at least have one receiver in Amonara St. Brown to help that player along. DeAndre Swift, a good check down running back that can always kind of help a young quarterback. And you have the Rams' first-round pick. So it is supposed to be a deeper edge class this year. Um, I'm gonna. I'm terrible with college. I do watch. But the guy at Clemson, Miles something, is a good edge rusher. Okay. I know Nolan Smith got hurt at Georgia, but he's such a great talent. He might. He actually might be a late first-rounder type guy you can benefit right. from. He tore his pec. So anyway, I'll stop embarrassing myself with the names. But I know it's supposed to be a deeper edge rush class, for example. Um, you know, And I think you can find the interior. Brian Breesey out of Clemson is a great player, so on and so forth. So I think you can address that with the, with the Rams first-round pick. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. All right. A little bit of a shorter show for us today without a ton of news, but we will be back on Friday going game by game, giving fantasy news and notes. So keep it on PFF.com for all of your news and analysis. Until then, make sure to subscribe to PFF Plus, download the PFF app, subscribe to PFF Wire on Apple and Spotify. Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. And we will be back with you guys again on Friday, uh, right around this time. 